When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mind Love Premium, episode 76. Today's episode is all about giving power to peace. If we're living in a balanced society, and if we're more toward the golden age than the age that we're in, the natural way things are supposed to work, at puberty, we should be activating the kundalini simultaneously. What we're seeing is that people go through puberty And until something almost traumatic happens in their life or there's someone like me that consciously pursues the disciplines of the mystical arts to purposely activate the kundalini and take it to the side. For the most part, people 50, 60 years old and maybe saw a car wreck right in front of them. If you're new to Mind Love, don't forget to subscribe because first of all, the button is super cute and you know you want to touch it. But most of all, you are going to want to be notified about new episodes. Giving your mind a little love is a habit that can help you think better, do better, and feel better. So hit subscribe, you know, just to see how it feels. Did you know that most people think 80 to 90% of the same thoughts today that they thought yesterday? And did you know that most people think the same thoughts today that they thought a year ago? And that a high percentage of those thoughts are the same thoughts they had five to 10 years ago. That means that a huge portion of our thoughts aren't even evolving. At first, it seems kind of hard to believe. Our lives change a lot in a five to 10 year span. So how can we be thinking about the same things? But if you really think about it, it makes sense. You stay in a job that you hate too long, so you're constantly thinking about your terrible boss or when you're gonna leave. You stay in a relationship too long, so you're constantly thinking about all of the things that your partner does wrong. You tell yourself for the 1,000th time, tomorrow I'll quit drinking. You have an idea for a business you could start, but year after year, it remains just a thought. You screwed that thing up when you were 22, and 10 years later, you still think, what could have been if only? And all the thoughts in between may not always be exactly the same, but the energy of them is. You get used to seeing everything that's wrong with your house, or your partner, or your job. You make a habit of thinking the risk of change is too big, or that you don't deserve that thing that you want or your ideal life is not possible for you. Thoughts are habits. Thoughts at one level of energy bring in more thoughts of the same energy, which is why when you're in a bad mood, everything around you seems terrible. When you're in a bad mood, the things around you are the same as they've always been. Most of the time, reality is neutral. It's our thoughts about reality that cause our suffering. Which is also why whatever you're wishing or holding on to that you think is going to come fix your life, it probably isn't. We think, if only I won the lottery, if only I got that promotion, if only my kids were a little bit older, 
If only I lived somewhere else, then I'd be happy. But then you make more money or you move cities or your kids grow up and you just see the next thing wrong in your world. Most people don't know how to let their thoughts pass. They dwell on them or ruminate and they give more power to the problems that don't even exist. And I know some people have much harder lives than others. But I also know that our thoughts cause us more suffering than our circumstances over the course of our lives. We mull over our past and we worry about the future or we wish things could be different, but we don't do anything about it because we're stuck in the mental loop that we keep playing over and over again. And that's when our lives are easy. And when things are hard for us, we make our lives even harder by the way we choose to think about it. So today we're talking about giving power to peace. Our guest is Master Lama Razaji, who is one of the 12 Master Lamas in the world. He has been training in Lao Tzu's regenerative health system for more than 50 years and has been teaching for over 40 years. His daily videos speak on energy enhancement, being the change in the world, the breath of life, and so much more. And all of his teachings are passed down knowledge from over 10,000 years ago and are designed to assist people to live an abundant life in every area, health, finances, relationships, and service to the world. So three key things we will learn are the two basic purposes humans are called to fulfill, how the chi relates to the physical body, and why we should do the opposite of what most people are doing. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Master Lama Razaji to the show. Uh, well, thank you for having me, Melissa. It's fun to be with you. So I am curious, what led you from the country down your spiritual path? <laughs> well, people ask that because they see, hear that Tennessee twang in my voice, right? So I've been all over the world, but it kind of stayed with me a lot. Uh, you know, uh, I was a very sickly baby. And uh, bouts of pneumonia from the time I was two and three years old. And then when my family relocated in North Florida from the dry climate of Nashville to the humid climate of North Florida, the, my illness has kind of changed to more kidney urinary tract. So one day I was swimming in a swimming pool. And it felt like, I mean, like somebody stuck a knife in my abdomen. And I actually was a good swimmer, but I literally started drowning in the middle of the swimming pool because the pain was so bad. And the coach was probably about this big around, probably hadn't swim in several years. And he jumped in after me and they took me and examined me and found out that I had some major uh, urinary tract problems. One of the things was happening is the valves between the urethra and the bladder were not completely opening and closing correctly. So after experimenting with drugs and stuff for about a year, year and a half, they finally decided, well, he needs some major surgery. 
So during the surgery, my body stopped functioning a couple times, and I was conscious of leaving my body shortly after the anesthesia was actually given to the body. And uh, I, had, I had fun. And uh, as a matter of fact, I met the Lama Master first time out of the body and that, during that surgery in 1968 and had no idea who he was, but I had seen him a couple times in my dreams and in meditation. And I met some people that I was going to meet later in my life, kind of introduced me to people that would show up physically. And uh, so that's how that all got started. After I got feeling better, my dad enrolled me in martial arts, about 13 years old. At that time, I was sleeping about 12 to 13 hours a day. I'm sure I would have been diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. I had lost a good portion of both kidneys and my adrenal glands were completely shot. So I had no get up and go. Today at 65, I have more get up and go than probably the average 18 year old. So not only that, I re- because of the help of Ayurveda masters and, and some Tibetan monks, uh, I regenerated kidneys and I have adrenal energy today to burn basically. people laugh about me. My 12-year-old tries to keep up with me, and I just enjoy life, but that's what led me into the martial arts. My dad read this magazine. In the 60s, Look Magazine was, you know, Look and Life magazines were, were important. I forget which one it was, but he read it, that get your kids into martial arts and yoga, it'll build stamina. So I actually started doing both. I started doing yoga and martial arts. But I was so tired, Melissa, in the beginning, I had to do half of my martial art class in a chair because I didn't have the energy. One day, this martial art master walks out with a jug about that big and a root in it about that big. It was a 100-year-old ginseng root. And he told my dad, he said, that'll cost you $300. Well, $300 in 1969 was a lot of money. And especially my dad, I remember him shaking his hand, reaching in and getting those three Benjamins out. And uh, but this was his son. And, you know, the doctors had already told my mom and dad that I'd be in and out of the hospital my whole life. And I would be lucky if I saw my 18th birthday, which is I turned right after graduation in 1974. And because I went what they called that a term alternative path, right? I kind of laugh about the alternative path because all the background and study I've done over the years with Ayurveda masters and Tibetan lamas, well, what they call alternative path been around over 10,000 years. And what they call today medicine has only been around for three or 400 years. And so which one are you going to turn to? And when the modern world gave up on the lama, Fortunately, my family and masters didn't give up on me and uh, turned that corner years ago. It took me to New York City in 1975, and it was there that I really had a major deja vu experience because I actually saw the guy in physical form that I saw out of the body seven years before. That changed everything. It took me about six months to actually make that connection, and when I did... He came to me one day and he said, I got some good news and I got some bad news. And I told him, I said, look, 
I'm born the Chinese sign of the monkey, and we're into adversity. So go ahead and tell me the bad news first. <laughs> so he says, well, my visa's up, and I've got to go back to Tibet. And I said, well, then tell me what the good news is, because that's some real bad news. What, you guys got and, married? Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. No, but, yeah, the, the good news was he wanted to take me with him to Tibet. And that's how I got to Tibet. And then I ended up three and a half years in the Lamasery there and learned how to pick herbs and, you know, learned how to do Tai Chi Gong. And as much as I like to talk now, the whole first year I wasn't allowed to talk. That was quite challenging for me. People ask me what kind of llama you are. And I said, oh, just imagine Forrest Gump going llama and you'll have a good idea what kind of llama I am. <laughs> so. I would have died the first day of not being able to speak. I built my whole life around being able to speak. I know that a central part of your message and your teachings come back to the idea of the circle of life. What does that mean to you? Well, it means a lot of things, really. I mean, my first it's the title of the first book that we have, but one thing that it means when you talk to an acupuncture physician, they'll say that the two meridians that develop first with inside of a expectant mother is the governing meridian which goes up the spinal cord then the conceptional meridian which comes down the front of the body so in one sense that's your circle of life you know uh, we called it the fetus meditation in the ancient lama series today they use terminology like microcosmic orbit and things of this nature that was kind of coined a phrase by a Qigong master by the name of Monotok Chia in New York several years ago. But Circle of Life, I remember I'd been home for a while and they decided, you know, I wanted you to go around and investigate 10, 12 different cultures have to do with health and longevity. So I started going to the, you know, investigate the Hunzas and some of the people in Mexico and came up with a common denominator of what was driving health and longevity in a natural spiritual life. And out of that became the Circle of Life book that we wrote, which people, if they go to our website, basically for just giving us their e email, they can join our site and they get they get that book downloaded for free. And they can and it's basically how the mind What's the relation between the mind and energy? What's the relation between breathing and energy? What's the relation between movement and energy? And what about nutrition? And we teach in the Lama series, there's three degrees of nutrition. There's DNA nutrition, there's psychic nutrition, and there's spiritual nutrition. And you want to activate nutrition on all levels. And it's amazing the moment that somebody starts to activate psychic and spiritual, they find out. I don't need so much, you know, physical nutrition as I thought I did before, right? And so that changes a lot of things when people do that. And with me, it was activating those two forms of nutrition that changed everything. And uh, so I realized today that, you know, we all have an energy body. Some people call it the auritic field, and this energy body feeds this physical body. And as long as that relationship is strong, the body was designed to go on much, much longer than most of people today realize. So that's what we do. And, uh, you know, we help people try to focus on health. We say on our website, 
it's health, wealth, and happiness for one human family. And that's been the mission statement of the Lamasary for over a thousand years. And so that's where we focus most of our energy. Yeah, I, I was reading your book and there's so many fascinating parts in it. And one of the sections was talking about how humans are called to fulfill two basic functions. They are intended to pursue self-development and they're intended to work like angelic beings behind the scenes sharing what they've learned. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit more? Well, sure. I mean, part of that comes from me being in contact with angels and nature spirits since I was a childhood. And I thought that was an everyday thing. And of course, after getting a few doors slammed in my face as a teenager at 16, 17 years old, I kind of realized that wasn't as natural to a lot of people as I thought. But we're, everybody's put here with, with a mission in life that comes from them in spirit. And it's the fulfillment of that mission. People a lot of times talk about passion. And my true meaning of compassion is communicating that passion to everyone else. In other words, I can sit on a mountaintop, I can meditate and stare at my navel and eat alfalfa sprouts and get all kind of knowledge. But can I really share that knowledge with other people and what benefit? is this knowledge for people. So a lot of times people will talk about the fruits of their labor. And and there's, I mean, you could go to versaji.com and read hundreds of testimonies about fruits of the labor. We say in the Lamasary, probably the most powerful thing is to ask students that's adapted to our system, what is the fruits of their labor? Because that's the real proof in the pudding, right? So when you look at, things people are really sent here for a real purpose and that purpose is nothing short of being angelic when you think about it i mean all of us are called to some form of holiness if i wanted to be religious right so the key of it is is that we're here and you look how the lamas area and the lamas have been working in humanity for three thousand years and two basic functions were to standardize the exercise and make sure the way they're being taught, you know, the stances, the movement, the breathing, the mental focus and the exercises have been passed down from master to student in an unbroken line for 3000 years. The other function is what can we do to help somebody? In other words, that body might be one person, but a lot of times, It's been a not-for-profit organization. A lot of times it's been counseling some government figure. It's been, I mean, we've been into everything. There's 36 of us at any given time, Melissa, that are active. Now, that being said, there's about that many that would most people would call retired. They're not really retired. They're retired from what they used to do when they were active, but We might have a llama that focuses on the weather in a certain part of the world, trying to create that balance with energy. We might have, there might be two political people meeting in a country and a retired llama is liable to go to a hotel room across from that and just sit there and send energy into that meeting, hoping and praying that that meeting goes in a positive way to have impact on humanity. I mean, there's been a lot of that. I remember 
that happened when Reagan and Gorbachev were meeting in Helsinki is a good example. And everybody knows what happened to the outcome after that. Shortly after that, that the walls in Germany came tumbling down. I remember I was on one of my trips in India and training in some of the ashrams in India, learning the three yoga disciplines that are the pillars of our system. And I'll never forget some of the German people coming in. They were so excited about passion. Oh, my God. Smell freedom when you've never tasted it before. And all of a sudden, there were seven or eight German people, girls and guys that were just, they were on cloud nine. You would have thought that it was Christmas all year round to these guys. It was a beautiful thing to experience. So you had mentioned basically energy and how it relates to the physical body and how our energy is nutrients for the physical body. How do you teach that to people? How do you teach them to basically boost nutrients that they aren't because most people consider when they hear the word nutrients or nutrition, they think solely of food, but there's so many other levels of nutrition for the body. So what are those and how do we start to increase that source of energy for ourselves? We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. And now for another episode of lies we've been told about our health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. 
Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. How do you start to increase that source of energy for ourselves? Yeah, nature's finer forces, if you will. This was a discovery of the original Lama. So Bogonathar, I mean, people can Google Bogonathar, and they could also Google Lao Tzu. What people might not know and probably can't find a lot of information on is that they were one and the same individual. A lot of people thinking Lao Tzu was this Chinese philosopher that was born like most Chinese in, in uh, mainland China that was fair-skinned, and he was raised there, and that's where he learned there, and that's where he taught there. The reality is this gentleman was born Brahmin with a very dark complexion, copper skin, and he was this great yoga master of three disciplines. And one was Hatha yoga, as we know, stretching and conditioning yoga, which is a, the root of almost all physical yogas today. Then it was pranayama yoga, learn to breathe not only oxygen, but to learn to breathe energy. And then the third was kundalini, which was energy yoga, the chakras itself. Well, he was looking around and he had mastered those three disciplines. But when he was looking around at the different masters at that time, 3,300 years ago, he didn't really see anybody that was interested in keeping the body around. And he thought that was really weird. If God's God, God should be the same God in 3D as he is in 4D and 5D. And why aren't y'all taking more responsibility for your physical vehicle? So he began to have these visions. And one day there were some of these wandering Satyus, uh, wandering Indian monks who began to talk to him. And he says, you know what? Sounds like what you're seeing in your visions and dreams sounds like mainland China. So he one day decides he's going to trek from India to China, and that's where he goes. So imagine, Melissa, 3,300 years ago, you're in China, no industry, the water flowing out of a mountain so pure you can stick a glass in there and drink it. This guy decides to take his yoga to the virgin forests of China over 3,000 years ago. What he discovered was is he sat by the riverbank of the Yangtze River one day and he began to do his yoga asanas and his postures. Certain things would happen, of course, to the energy. But as he began to shift from one yoga posture to the other, the transition of the shifting of weight from one to the other was doing something totally different to the energy. Another thing he realized depending on what part of nature he was in, the energy was feeding his body a different way. So if I was by the water, then he was surrounded by water chi. But when he went in the mountains, it was totally different kind of chi. And then when he went in the forest and he got around trees that were over a thousand years old, he realized, oh my God, I'm being fed totally different. So one day he, he, he realized, he said, you know what? I have left the gurus of India and surrendered myself to Mother Nature. And I'm going to discover in nature what the human race forgot. 
And so he made Mother Nature and the spirit of Mother Nature his guru for the next five decades. And he spent five or ten years in the different elements of nature. One day, he's got this beard X number this way. And understand that this was a pretty tall individual, well over six foot tall. And by the time a general from the emperor's uh, middle kingdom discovered him, he looked like some raggedy hermit, obviously out in nature for 50 years. And, you know, bathing was in the river and this and that. And so they decided that one day they approached him and they the general was very advanced martial artist. So he was aware of energy. And as he got close to this hermit, he noticed that his aura and energy body was humongous. He'd never seen an energy body like that. It was somewhere 20 or 30 feet in diameter around the being. And he says, you're a holy man, right? He said, you must be a holy man. He, he said, the emperor of the Middle Kingdom, Emperor Chen, said he's dying of what sounded like a neuromuscular disease, something like palsy or or something like MS. And the herbal doctors in the palace were only giving him so many years to, would you please come? So he came, they took him, they cleaned him up, you know, cut his hair, put him in the traditional ponytail, put on Chinese garments, everything. And he came up to the emperor to meet the emperor. It was a couple months after working with the emperor, teaching about herbs, teaching him about energy, about nutrition on three different levels, which he had learned that the emperor started getting better and stronger, and the emperor became his first unofficial student. And it was there that he gave him the name of Lao Tzu. And uh, the, the, the joke of it was he loved the discipline of sweeping up. And so somebody would come by him and they would say, oh, man, what are, what are you doing here? And he said, oh, I'm just here to clean up. I'm just here sweeping up. I came to the earth just to clean up. And so that, that was his connection. But later, and that's why out of that is, was the second thing I was talking about, you know, the stabilizing of the exercises over here, but mentoring and supporting people over here. And that, that has become the bulk of what Alama basically has done over the years. And still do, we're still doing it today, 3,000 years later. Yeah, I know one of the discoveries you mentioned was that an individual can actually expand his or her energy field to surround another human being to protect or heal them. And I know that in a number of different faiths, that's maybe where the idea of praying for someone comes from. I know in things like Reiki or energy healing, you can hold this intention. But I'm curious too, how does that work exactly? And does the first individual that has this intention to do this, to expand their energy field, do they need to have their own, enough of their own chi or source energy to be able to do that? Can anyone do that? Yes. No, it's a great question. Uh, you know, it's a great question, Melissa. And that, and and simple answer is yes. To a certain extent, everybody can do that now. And then the other things you said were also true. So whether I'm talking about baptismal in a church, 
that was originally designed to activate the kundalini that Master Rabbi Jesus, which is how we refer to him in the Lamasery, it was to stimulate what he considered second birth. He said you can be born of a woman of water, but you need to be born of the father of the holy fire. So he signified, hmm, there's two births going on. And he said that was a spiritual birth that happened. And actually what is we have tied together is that the Kundalini experience is actually this experience that he talked about. So there's a lot of ways that people can initiate the Kundalini experience. And one of the most popular in the ancient city yoga tradition of which our system flows down from was this concept of the Shakti path. And that is the transmittal that you're talking about of energy of one human being to another. It's very much like I'd like to relate like somebody's battery is kind of low and they need a jump start. So that's what happens. It can happen long distance. It's particularly happening usually more closer range. We make the case that the church makes a big deal about Christ's birth. They should. It was purposeful. They make a bigger deal about the crucifixion. It was purposeful. The Lamasery makes the biggest deal about what happened the 40 days after the rock rolled away. We say that Christ is true as teachings, that he stayed around to demonstrate what second birth looks like if you get completely all the way on the other side. In other words, the Kundalini experience is completed. With most people, they're not even aware of what's really happening when the Kundalini sets into motion. I was about 14 or 15 years old when the Kundalini got activated in me. And as it moved through me from times, I would get nausea at times. Sometimes I would literally physically kind of pass out. But after I came under the care of the lamas, then through our system, I learned to balance that and complete that cycle. With the average person, that's a 30 to 40 year cycle with most people. And unfortunately, when the kundalini activates, a lot of people today are suffering because of kundalini imbalance that the Western medical field doesn't know anything about. And a few people in integrative medicine understand that. Some people like at Mayo Clinic that are doing enough research on that. The key of it is, is that, again, you can develop your energy enough. See, let's take the opposite of what you say. Let's look at a person who would be considered imbalanced or ill, physically ill. There's a good chance when you examine their energy field that their energy body has actually done the opposite. It's contracted. It's not, if I'm pretty healthy, on an average, that energy body should extend seven feet from my sternum in all directions. So it should go seven feet this way, this way, this way. If I'm able to see that energy field spinning around a physical person, it will look like a giant atom around the body and all different kind of beautiful colors like a Milky Way galaxy, almost like a quasar. And that energy spins this way, that way, and every which way. Now, when somebody's ill or sick or in balance, it's not seven. They're lucky if it's four to five feet. Not only that, 
your chakras, which are as large as if I'm on a big sailboat and I'm, I've got the steering wheel and sailboat, those are about the size of an average chakra. That's about how big somebody's average chakra is. And we have the spokes, which are nadas, the Sanskrit for spokes is nadas. And when people are born, we have 72,000 of those nadas. About half of them are turned out and half of them are turned in. And then we hit puberty. And the moment we hit puberty, more of the nadas start to turn out. Now, if enough of the nadas turn out, person will actually go into automatically the second birth concept that Jesus was talking about, or what in India they would say, they're going to activate their kundalini. Now, when that happens, then your endocrine gland system, which got activated in your body, is like your physical chakras. Your nadas and your chakras are like your psychic endocrine gland system. Now, all of a sudden, and by the way, Melissa, if, if we're living in a balanced society and if we're more toward the golden age than the age that we're in, the, the natural way things are supposed to work, at puberty, we should be activating the kundalini simultaneously. What we're seeing is that people go through puberty and until something almost traumatic happens in their life or there's someone like me that consciously pursues the disciplines of the mystical arts to purposely activate the Kundalini and take it to the side. For the most part, people 50, 60 years old and maybe saw a car wreck right in front of them. Maybe they were in the war and PTSD seeing some friends taken out. Things like this, trauma can actually activate Kundalini. Because why? The nadas, the spokes again that turn out, physically they're totally connected to the central nervous system. So that's their response. And as I said before, the chakras are influenced in the endocrine gland system. When I'm going through second birth, let's say that I got 75 to 80% through my kundalini experience. This is what normally happens. Now my energy body has gone from seven to more like 12 feet in all directions. Now the meridians of acupuncture, instead of them just deeply bedded in my physical body, they're expanding beyond the physical body now and they're feeling the energy body like a membrane. So if I took, you know, I'm, I'm living in Florida, right? And so I took a nice Florida orange and I peeled the orange off and I'm looking at the inside. I see a membrane all around the orange, right? The similar membrane that is now to a person that's more like a master that and it's encompassing just and this is what the general felt because he approached uh, Boganathar, and it was 20 to 30 feet around. Them. I mean, because you had an individual between this, the city yoga disciplines before he left India, and now 50 years in nature perfecting that, it's not unheard of to see a master who had a, had a field 20, 30 feet. And so we know, we go back to scripture, and people were talked about just touching the hem of Jesus's garment and getting healed. Well, 
there you are. There you are. And if you want to see a really interesting story, know more about that. There's a show I do every week with Jimmy Swin called The Patriot and the Llama Show. That's also on Versace.com. People are interesting. They should tap into episode 21, which was the lost journey of Jesus. And they will actually see the 12 to 14 years that nobody talks about in the Bible. What really happened to Jesus? And then all of a sudden, the pieces of the puzzle will make sense. I actually went on a deep dive this last year because I was raised Christian. And and then I no longer aligned with a lot of the beliefs that my family kept with. And there was just something missing for me. And so I started to pursue. Well, first I was like, there's no God at all in my early 20s. And then and then as would have it, I mean, that was kind of activated by trauma for me. And I sat in that trauma for a while. And my my climb out of it was really the path of a broader spirituality that made more sense to me. But I, I've still kind of held certain beliefs and gone back and forth. And so I decided this last year to kind of dive into some of the, an alternate view than what I was raised with on the teachings of Jesus and found different books like When God Had a Wife and just really amazing things and evidence of Jesus's life in that in-between part. So I'll make sure I find that episode that you're talking about and link to that for listeners who are interested in. But we're talking a lot about imbalances and from what I gathered from what you said, it seems like this kundalini energy should be activating naturally, but it's not for most people. It takes a trauma. And one of the things that you say in your book is that males on the planet right now are having trouble with their solar plexus and females are having difficulty with their throat centers. So where are these imbalances coming from? Why are we disconnected from that natural kundalini energy that should be activating? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says, (laughs) and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot mindlove. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So where are these imbalances coming from? Why are we disconnected from that natural kundalini energy that should be activating? Well, because we've been taught in society to constantly look outside ourselves. And when you examine how many women have you come across in the last, let's say, decade that you knew that had a thyroid issue, it's very common. Either yeah. underactive, over. How many men do you know are diabetic, or they have ulcers in their stomach, or pancreas imbalances from sugar imbalances? Well, let's look at those two centers metaphysically for a second. So we know we got thyroids in the throat, we got the pancreas in the stomach, and the solar plexus. Well, those are the physical issues. There's also psychic and spiritual issues with those centers. See, the descending energy, the golden energy comes naturally down through the crown chakra. Its natural outlet is through the belly. It's referred to as the self-realization center. A lot of guys today, they've incarnated so many times as a warrior, whether they're fighting in the corporate world or they're fighting on the battlefield, they're tired of fighting. But yet, in order for the masculinity of them to expel, that is a natural flow of energy, right? Well, if I don't really want to be here or don't want to be in my body, can you imagine the energy blockages that are being formed to block that natural ray, right? Look at the throat chakra. Energy comes up from Mother Earth, shoots straight up through the body. Where does it want to come out? Let's come out the throat chakra. Well, what does that energy signify? Creativity, authority. So we see a lot of women today waking up to their creativity, to their authority. We're going to see hundreds of thousands, millions more wake up in the next couple of years, right? They're not walking behind some guy in like some Middle Eastern country, right? That day has changed. It's been changing. Actually, you can make a case. So the city yoga masters, you know, when we look, read the Christian Bible, you know, it says, oh, God created 
you know, creation in a seven-day period. But does people know what a day and a night of God is to a city yoga master? Well, a day is about 12,000 years and a night's another 12,000 years. So now, are we talking about seven days or are we talking seven times 24,000? And when you do seven, actually when you do about six and a half times, we're talking now realistically about how long we actually been here as humans, right? People talk about the birth of Adam as if Adam happened five to 7,000 years ago. According to Lamasary, it's more like 175,000 years ago. And it all correlates with a day and night of God based on what the city of city yoga roots, you can take us back 50,000 years. But they've been getting together and every 12 years they have this special festival been going on for over 50,000 years. Can you imagine a festival going on for over 50,000 years called the Kubala Mela? And that's where these fakirs, skin and bones that maybe were meditating in a cave for 12 years, they come out to share. The gurus with the students, they come out to share. And every 12 years, they get together in India and they share what they found. Women, men, everything, right? In 1875, one of these very advanced masters looked at this 12-year-old boy and said, he goes, you're a very old soul. Now, right before he said that, this master with 12 apostles materialized their body right out of the ethers just moments before this 12-year-old, and they did it in front of this 12-year-old. Well, of course, that kind of power instantly activated his kundalini. You can imagine, right? And so they told him, he says, you're going to write one of the greatest books comparing the city yoga teachings with the Old Testament. And he wrote this book called The Holy Science. And it's a book I mentioned in my book. And he says, and you're going to be the master of a master who takes yoga to the Western Hemisphere. And of course, we know who that years, years later, he was the master of Parishya Yogananda that brought yoga to California. And by the way, today's body lies in a glass tomb for over 40 or 50 years with an incorruptible body. Now that young boy at 12 was Swamiji Sri Yukteswa who was Yogananda's master. Now that's just one little thing. That's just one little taste of Kubala Mela. Been going on, Melissa, for 50,000 years. I am fascinated by the stories of people who have lived to be, you told two stories in your book, uh, somebody who lived to be 189 and somebody who lived to be 250 years old and possibly longer. And it baffles me that we're not taught these things. I feel like in school, that should be a highlighted story that children learn. I'm so excited to homeschool my kid because I'm going to call it the possibility curriculum. And I want to teach based on like, who cares if my son knows the year of World War II? 
given what's happened in the news the last two years, how am I supposed to believe anything that's ever happened in history? I'm just going to be honest. But there was this part in your book, too, that about something that your master, Bo Yang, taught you in Tibet. And maybe I loved it so much because it tickles my confirmation bias just a little bit, but you talked about there were two teachings, but one of them is that the most of the world experiences everything they do, no matter what it is, by looking externally and looking outside of themselves, which you and I touched on a little bit earlier in this interview. But the second thing was observe what the world is doing and do the opposite, basically because most people have lost the ability to think for themselves. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Well, that was actually told to me. We have a, a challenge on our website you've probably seen called the 45-Day Challenge. It's a free challenge, and it, it came into being because at the end of my first year in Tibet training, which was actually close to the fifth year of my training because I trained with the Lama of three and a half, four years in America in New York, and I was in the dancing arts, shaking martial arts in Chinatown and dancing off Broadway at the time. And so after he told me to go there, I, at the end, and now I understand when I was up on there meditating and there was no human beings around for 45 days, then the no talking for a year preparation made a lot of sense, right? Because you kind of got to get okay about talking to yourself, right? And so I'm up on the mountain, and I used to think that the fear of death was the most biggest fear. And I learned very quickly, because I number one, I had died twice on the operating table in 1968. And I realized that I went to heaven then. For a Christian's point of view, that, that was a good thing, because I proved that that was real. But then on the mountaintop, without dying at all, I went to heaven every day. And the 45-day challenge. And then I realized you can go to heaven without dying. And that was an interesting thing. And that led me to what the real fear was. And it was living the kind of life that actually Master Rabbi Jesus talked to you about. And he says, I come to bring you a life more abundantly, which means no strings, no limitations. And I learned that Tai Chi Gong is an inside game. It's an inside journey. And growth comes from you being okay about looking at yourself in the mirror. I do teach this concept called mirror meditation and mirror meditation reveals everything. It even will reveal what you believe and you don't believe. You want to find out real fast, take your affirmations, your mantras, your affirmation. And I challenge my people at least one day a week, speak them audibly to the mirror Watch your facial expressions and watch your eyes. You're going to find out what you really believe. And if you don't believe the words that you're saying, then I ask my students, why is it coming out of your mouth? Right. So 45 days, I'm doing some Tai Chi every day. I'm doing some yoga. Obviously, my meditation's getting deeper and deeper. How deep? I asked the first year I was there, I said, how deep meditation should I get? He says, little llama, they used to tease me about being a little llama way before I even thought about being. That was their nickname for me, little llama. He says, when you can hear the blood flow out of your heart, you're at intermediate meditation. And I thought, oh, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard, right? Hear the blood flow out of my heart. I trained five years. 
And it was on the 25th day of the 45 day meditation. I was going in and I was moving through this vortex and through this tunnel. And I thought I thought I'd been teleported to Hawaii and I was somewhere near the Banzai pipeline because I heard the most beautiful waterfall I'd ever heard. A couple minutes into it, I realized that was the blood flowing out of the chambers of my heart. And that was incredible. Now, I thought that was hard, Melissa. But when I went back to New York, six months after being in New York, I got a Western Union telegram. And the Western Union telegram said, you know that what you did on the mountaintop? I want you to go to Broadway and 42nd Street every Friday from one to three in the afternoon. I want you to sit down and then you'll be an advanced meditator when you can have that same experience with all those people walking around. Does anybody know how busy 42nd Street and Broadway is on a Friday afternoon? People are selling everything. I mean, things you want and things you don't even want to talk about, right? And the noise, it took me six months. On the six months, one day I got there and it was just, I was just about felt like, oh my God, I'm going to finally disappoint Bo Young. I'm going to finally disappoint. And I was there, it was six months to the day. And I sat down and I heard the same racket, the same noise. And then all of a sudden I was back in that vortex again. And I was going deep, deep inside. And I heard that waterfall again. And I said, oh my God. And then I realized that was the whole point of Tai Chi Gong. It was easy to do it on the mountain when no human beings, not even a four-legged llama was around, right? Because I had everything ideal. But Tai Chi Gong is not about that. Tai Chi Gong is how are you going to do this in everyday life? How are you going to bring this peace, give power to peace, which is the same thing Om Shante means, the same thing Tai Chi Gong means, give power to peace. Because when I walked up and met the guy in physical form, Master Bo Young, that I had met out of my body spiritually. He didn't shake my hand, Melissa. He grabbed me on the inside of the forearm, and it was really wild. I watched him, and it was like he neutralized gravity. He just lifted up, and then he walked over to me. He put his arm on me, pulled me closer. He said, Rasaji, what took you so long? It was like the whole time from that seven-year period, he waiting for me to show up, and I'm going, Oh my gosh. I mean, the my, my male ego was completely crushed. I mean, literally, it was just crushed. It was like, oh my God. Yeah. I'm walking down that mountain that 46th day. He looks at me. He says, Little Lama, he says, what bothering you? He said, you know, I know I'm supposed to share this stuff. Who's going to listen to a kid? You know, at that time, I was 20 going on 21, right? Who's going to listen to me? Because I figure who's going to walk through my door is going to be at least over 40, right? Who's going to listen to a 21, 22-year-old kid, right? He says, oh, I see the 45 days still hasn't changed your microwave mentality, push a button, pop a pill mentality. Okay, I'll give you a symbol. Look at what the world's doing, little llama, and do the opposite. Well, I can't tell you how many times in my life I would hear that. You know, I'd go to Disney World, everybody go to the right, I'd go to the left and get on the rides faster. 
every time. But the last 24 months to 36 months, the nonsense that's been on the news media, whether it's the retail news on the TV or or all these false prophets on the Internet. Right. I'm listening to this stuff and it all sounds just a bunch of noise. And it sounds just like the noise at one to three o'clock at Broadway and 42nd Street. So I, I, I contact the Lamasary. And so absolutely two years ago, you can go back. I've got three or four hundred videos now on YouTube, right? You can go back and see it was March of 2020 when, when I, the Lamasary says, I says, I want to do something, guys. What can I do? Look at this mess. COVID had just come to the surface, right? What can I do? He said, they said, just keep speaking the truth. Tell them about truth, simplicity, and love. You've been trained as an entertainer. You're not shy in front of the camera. He said, tell them your truth and people will start to listen. And that's what happened. Two years ago this month, I started telling the story of what's really going on. And I decided to take the other road. We're not going negative, we're going positive. And you wanna hear the positive message? Then turn here. You wanna hear negative? Go somewhere else, because there's plenty of that. And that's what happened. And it led me here to you. Look at it, two years later, here I am. <laughs> Meant to be. Well, I love that story. I love that message. I've kind of just been that way most of my life. I'm like, what's everyone else doing? I actually even remember speaking at a conference and it wasn't about my whole persona that I have where I do the opposite, but it was about even the way I grew my podcast. I was looking at what is everyone else doing? What is everyone else sharing to do? I'm going to do the opposite and it worked for me. And so thank you for that message. But I love leaving listeners with an action item, something that they can actually practice uh, with themselves throughout the week when they're thinking about what they've learned from this episode. Do you have something that you can guide listeners through that may help? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the most basic thing to understand, I'll actually give them two. People will ask me, you know, you got a store online and you sell prayer beads. Why? Well, in chapter two, I explain about that. The oldest yoga on the planet, over 50,000 years old, is called Japa Yoga or Mantra Yoga. And it means the recitation of the garland prayer beads, of which there are 108 beads. And the reason it's 108 beads is because if you're having difficulty mentioning the name of God that you like, well, guess what? The ancient city yogas came up with at least 108 names, some of them female, some of them male, and some of them without a body. So you might try that. And it's interesting that your uh, Catholic rosary is exactly one half of ancient Indian mala beads. They're 54 beads as opposed to it must be a connection there somewhere. Right? It must be a pony there somewhere. Right. So the key of it, when you take the prayer beads and and you say something like you know you know um uh, something as simple as um uh, you know I, I have plenty of time people are rushing around today like chickens with their heads cut off can you imagine going i have plenty of time i have plenty of time bead 
I have plenty of time. After a while, your spirit, mind, and body says, you have plenty of time. The, the power in this is that the five to ten minutes it takes to do that, you're the one saying it. And say whatever you want, affirmation, mantra, passage from scripture, because your audible tones were designed to help heal your spirit, your mind and body and your system, which Jesus called the temple, which in ancient India they called the Chanda. Spirit, mind and body are one. Three yellow stripes and one magenta dot. Spirit, mind and body are but one. Jesus referred to that as the temple. So let the temple be healed by your voice. Choose. You could say some. If you're Christian, you could say, Greater is thee than is in me that's in the world. What an empowerment, right? Greater is thee that is in me than is in the world. Do it in front of a mirror. Watch how powerful it really is, and you'll see whether you believe it or not. Then the other thing I want them to do is understand the basic premise of breath, because it actually starts in the womb of our mother. See, the last thing to develop we know are the lungs, But the lungs are not the pump pump of the breath. They're the sieve of the breath. The pump is the belly. Why do we know that? Because not only through the umbilical cord are we getting nutrition, but we're also getting oxygen. And when when you hold a baby, and by the way, I've held my three sons in my hands. I cut all their cords. I'm a very present father, very proud of it. And I noticed exactly what we teach. You touch that infant just being born. It's like the Pillsbury Doughboy commercials. You can stick your finger into them to the second knuckle because there's no tension in their body, especially if they didn't have a traumatic birth. You know, if they had a, you know, cesarean or they were breached, possibly they could have tension. But the only tension, Melissa, around an infant when they're born is two inches around the umbilical cord in the navel because that was contract. It was doing this the whole time. Contract, expand, contract. So that's the root of where our breathing is. Actually, we have a psychic umbilical cord two inches above the navel which is if a pregnant woman turns sideways, it's exactly the peak of where her belly is. Exactly the peak. And that's not by accident. We know that, right? So I want to inhale through my nose and fill my tummy up like I'm pregnant and then exhale out my mouth. And then I want to inhale through my nose and expand my tummy and then exhale out my mouth. And again. And you want to start off with about five or 10 breaths. And in a week or two, go to about 10 or 20. And what will happen, you're not only breathing oxygen, you're starting to breathe chi. You're breathing energy, the chi in Tai Chi Gong. That will change everything because with that chi comes a higher form of intelligence that the brain and the body's not used to. And the moment you get that intelligent, you know. When it's done correctly, it is a biological experience of the divine. And I've got breathing exercises all throughout that you can tap on Rasaji.com. So everything's at Rasaji.com, Circle of Life. 
Well, thank you so much for co-creating with me and bringing all of your wisdom to this podcast. So for listeners that are really resonating with you, where's the best place for them to connect? Well, first of all, like you said, they can get my book, just joining our free email list, and they can get the Daily Lama that we put in the email, which is a 15, 20 minute a day message. And But if they really say, I'm ready to roll up the sleeve and I'm ready to go through transformation, this is all we're asking, you know, give us your email, click on join 45 day challenge, totally free. Yeah, it's going to take 20 to 40 minutes a day of your time. It's a little bit of reading. It's four or five Qigong exercise. You won't even break a sweat, you know, and you're going to love it. But I also ask people to kind of say what I did. You know, say no to the negative input for those 45 days too. tell tell the family if you've got one. You know, and everybody's got one or two in the family that feels like. You know, they're a news broadcaster and you never get the news, so they need to send you the news even when you don't want to listen to the news. They're the ones that text you and you click on, oh, my God, this is what I'm trying. So just tell them you're going on a sabbatical with the llama. You're going to have fun. We're going to play together and you're going to learn some energy things and you're going to read some positive material. And then by doing that contrast, saying no to the negative and saying yes to positive, for four, I want them then to start reading some of the testimonies, which are also free on the site, because it's not the Lama saying this. There's husbands, wives, daughters, grandmothers, grandfathers that are having spiritual impact, that are having physical people are raising their energy, they're getting jobs, they're starting careers. I mean, there's hundreds of testimonies on there now. So just take your time. You need a little motivation. Read five or 10 of them and, and ask yourself, do I want some of that? that that's that simple. It's been a pleasure to be with you and you have a lot of courage to do what you're doing and my hat goes off to you and, and your spiritual journey that takes a lot of courage to go down the pathway that's not easily traveled. And I understand that. I've been doing that since the 60s. I'm right with you. And it's been a pleasure to be with you. We'll have to do this again sometime. All the links for this episode are at mindlove.com slash x76. So your challenge for this week is to just be really mindful of your thoughts. Notice when a thought is negative. And I think sometimes we let thoughts slip by that aren't super negative. (laughs) And what I mean by that is we just tell ourselves that as Master Rizaji talked about, that we don't have enough time or we're so busy or something always happens to us or we're unlucky. Sometimes it's these more subtle thoughts that end up completely narrating our lives, which creates our reality. So be mindful, maybe one thing at a time. Which is the thing that tends to stress you out the most? Is it that you're always so busy or there's always something to do? Can you flip that with, my life is so rich, I always have something to do? Or I've consciously created a life with a lot going on because that's exactly how I like it. The way we speak to ourselves creates our reality. And the way we speak to ourselves originates in the way we think about ourselves and our lives. 
So how can you consciously change your reality by first starting with your thoughts? And of course, let me know how it goes. Leave a comment right on the show notes page at mindlove.com slash x76 or reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do that is by joining MindLove Premium at mindlove.com slash premium, where you get the entire backlog of exclusive episodes plus meditations and other bonuses. You can also support one of MindLove's many amazing sponsors. For a list of all of these, go to mindlove.com slash sponsors. And the freest way to support the show is by sharing it either directly with a friend or screenshot it and tag MindLoveMelissa and MindLovePodcast or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week.